In this rerun of a classic Secrets of Product Management episode, I share some thoughts about how to get the best from your team, even if they are not the world's greatest developers, but just normally good. I'm Nels Davis, and this is the Secrets of Product Management podcast, Classics Edition. This episode is a riff on a talk that Ken Norton gave at the 2017 Mind the Product Conference about some of the most famous and arguably best ever jazz musicians. Now, that conference was held just a few blocks away from the San Francisco Jazz Center, home of the San Francisco Jazz High School All-Star Jazz Band, a band full of high school kids that definitely aren't among the most famous and arguably best ever jazz musicians, although they are very good. They are led by Paul Contos, who has consistently molded high school kids into top-performing jazz bands through the SF Jazz Center. And I thought this contrast was fascinating, and I explored it in this episode, what does it take to form a bunch of high school kids into a very listenable jazz big band? Well, you can find the notes for this episode at secretsofpm.com slash 66. Note, the episode is pretty old from when the podcast was still called All the Responsibility, None of the Authority. Now, I hope you enjoy it and find the guidance valuable for working with your totally awesome, but probably not world famous, team. A few years ago in 2017 at the Mind the Product Conference in San Francisco, Ken Norton gave a really beautiful talk. It was beautiful both in terms of subject matter and the presentation itself was gorgeous, called Please Make Yourself Uncomfortable. And the discomfort he was talking about is the feeling you have when something unexpected occurs. And he gave three really interesting examples from the world of classic jazz to illustrate how top performing teams, jazz ensembles in this case, handle the unexpected when it occurs. One, one example was Ella Fitzgerald. She f was singing Mac the Knife during a concert in Berlin. She forgot the lyrics, and she just started making up lyrics as she went along. Of course, one of the greatest singers ever. The Miles Davis Sextet recorded the classic album Kind of Blue, and that recording session is famous for essentially very few takes and a few mistakes that were made that were then capitalized upon to make even greater music. I'll talk a little bit more about that record in a few minutes. And Duke Ellington tried to coax a little more from one of his star trumpeters, Clark Terry. That was another story that Ken Norton shared. Now, the opening music of this episode was none of those, by the way, and I'll explain why as we go along. This is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode number 66 of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority. In this podcast, of course, I give product managers like yourself and product marketers tools, techniques, and mental models for being more effective, creating better products that customers love, and using your skills and talent 
to create more value in the world. And you can find the notes for this show, plus a form for leaving me feedback on the show or asking questions, and there's a bunch of links as well, at alltheresponsibility.com slash 66. So take a look at the show notes if you want to drill down on some of these ideas. So when I say top performing stars, the ones that Ken Norton was talking about, it's literally true. Ella, Miles, and the Duke are among the best musicians, jazz or not, to ever perform or record. The Miles Davis Sextet, which was made up of Miles Davis, John Coltrane, Cannonball Adderley, even if you're not a jazz fan, you may have heard of some of these names, Bill Evans, Jimmy Cobb, and Paul Chambers, included literally three or four of the best jazz players in the world at that time, and certainly five of those six are in the top hundred of jazz musicians. And the resulting record, kind, which is called Kind of Blue, it's considered by some to be the most influential jazz music album ever made, as well as being by far the best-selling jazz album ever. I'll put a link to the Wikipedia page about the record. It's pretty interesting. Ken went on to draw some parallels between the characteristics of these fantastic performers and the high-performing product teams that we work with. And of course, improvisation within a structure is at the heart of jazz, and great jazz players have what they call big ears. They really can hear and respond sort of in real time to what their fellow musicians are playing. And combined with trust, that means that, as jazz vibraphonist Stefan Harris said, there are no mistakes in jazz. Every mistake is just a missed opportunity. In other words, you can turn mistakes into non-mistakes if you have big ears and if you can respond well. But as Ken was giving this presentation, I was thinking about what if your team is not filled with literally the best in the world? Is Miles Davis our best, the best person to learn from in terms of team performance? Or should we maybe look to some other examples for learning? What if instead of looking at the Miles Davis sextet, you look more at maybe a high school jazz band? Maybe your team is, uh, is more like a high school jazz band than the Miles Davis sextet. You know, the very best high school jazz band leaders help their bands sound good enough that people will pay for a CD or buy tickets to a concert at the San Francisco Jazz Center or at the Monterey Jazz Festival. And not, I'm not talking just about the parents. You know, those teachers who can bring that out in a high school jazz band are rare, but they do exist, just like Miles Davis does exist, even though they're special. And the kids who get to experience teachers like that not only know that they participated in something great, they became something great as well. So, for example, consider Paul Contos. He's the leader of the San Francisco Jazz High School Jazz All-Stars Big Band. That's a long name. And I'll put a few links to information about him and to the High School All-Stars Big Band. So he's led all-star groups of high school jazz musicians for many years. They are in demand at local and national jazz festivals like the Newport Folk Festival, as I mentioned. They often win awards. And I opened the, this episode with a number from one of his bands. Remember that these are high school kids and the bands turn over fast. It was recorded in 2018. There's a link in the show notes at alltheresponsibility.com slash 66. And that tune is called Magic Flea. And it's, it's awesome. They're, they're just fantastic. 
So the question, though, is are the secrets to high-performing high school jazz bands the same as or similar to the secrets of the top performers in their field, like the Miles Davis Sextet? Well, there's definitely some overlap. You know, Kanto said in an interview, there's a strong aspect of family about the group, bonding over learning, improving, and then impressing. They have to be able to talk about strengths and weaknesses comfortably. And it turns out that all high-performing teams, or most of them, really share this very important characteristic of psychological safety. There was a project done a few years ago at Google called Project Aristotle, which was to really try to figure out what were the characteristics of the best, most effective teams within Google. And a lot of people went in with hypotheses like, well, maybe it's the folks with the best education or the best resumes, the highest degree achievement, things like that. But they found out that those things actually were not very predictive of team success. What was more predictive, they found about five things, and a few of them are things like dependability. Somebody says they're going to they're gonna do something, and then they, they do it. A sense of purpose is really important, feeling like you're building something that is sort of bigger than you or that there's an important reason to be building the thing that you're building. Probably the most important single component that they found was this idea of psychological safety. One definition of that is that team members feel safe to take risks and be vulnerable in front of each other. Now, if you think about it, jazz is an improvisational art. These high school students stand up in front of the audience and they improvise. And they have to feel that they're going to be supported and not be looked down upon or not thought of as a failure if they happen to make a mistake during their improvs. Obviously, that's one of the things that Paul Contos said. He said they have to be able to talk about strengths and weaknesses comfortably. They have to be bonding over learning, improving, and then impressing. And that's the whole nature of psychological safety. Laszlo Bach, who was then at Google and was the, one of the initiators of that project, Aristotle, said, the biggest thing you should take away from this work is that how teams work matters in a lot of ways more than who is on the team. There's a myth we all carry inside our head. We think we need superstars, but that's not what our research found. Now, you can take a team of average performers, and if you teach them to interact the right way, they'll do things no superstar could ever accomplish. You know, I do wonder if you're thinking about the Miles Davis sextet versus the San Francisco Jazz High School All-Stars. Can the, can the San Francisco Jazz High School All-Stars actually achieve what the Miles Davis sextet did? Maybe, maybe not. It is the fact that Miles Davis and the other folks in the sextet were the best in the world. And so there's probably something about the best in the world that you can't just achieve by being a better team. But the important point that Bach makes here is that you can take a team, and if you can work with them so that they work better as a team using these techniques and applying these characteristics, that the team will become much more effective and they will start to accomplish things that previously you thought only superstar teams could achieve. There's a few links to some of the articles about the Project Aristotle in the show notes. You can check those out, again, at alltheresponsibility.com slash 66. Now, I think there's some other things also going on. Some of them are related to things like, is the work appropriate? You know, some musicians can play anything. And in fact, some of the most famous musicians, even composers like in classical music, in history, they made their bones really by being virtuoso at improvisation, you know, People like Beethoven, people we don't think of as improvisers, but who really were, like Beethoven, Liszt, Paganini, Mozart, 
even Bach, they all did a lot of improvising as part of the, the development of their skills and also even a lot of their performances. But then when they wrote their music, they did not just write down all the fancy flourishes that they did as amazing improvisers. They often wrote music for much more earthbound people, for orchestras that were not made up of the greatest in the world or the greatest of all time, but, but orchestras that played in local churches or that played for the local royalty, whoever it might be. You know, Bach did a lot of this. A lot of his music is designed to be played by a good but not amazing orchestra. You know, not every orchestra can play every piece of orchestral music and make it sound good. Beethoven was the other way. He had high expectations for his orchestra, but it means not every orchestra can really pull that stuff off. Now, your team is probably the same, right? There's some things that they can do and some things that maybe you don't want them to do. A related concept here is this idea of how fast can your team go or how fast can your band play, right? So one difference between probably a professional jazz big band and the high school all-stars band is how fast they can play. But it's it may also just be the, the complexity of the arrangements that they play and things like that. This idea of how fast can your team play or for how fast can your band play, it's, it's interesting in the context of your team because it, that is one of the metrics that we look for in terms of how fast is our team at building stuff. What's their velocity? We love to talk about that. But the fact is that your, your team has a velocity that they can achieve and the goal is not to make them meet somebody else's velocity. They're, the goal is to help them become faster relative to what they've done based on becoming more skilled, learning, becoming a more effective team. Now, I did actually a whole podcast episode about this. If you go to alltheresponsibility.com slash 325, you can hear my thoughts about can I make my team go faster because it is kind of aligned with this. But the other thing that we can maybe deduce about Contos's bands compared to maybe Duke Ellington's big band, they might be playing simpler arrangements, right? Part of the magic or the pedagogy of Contos is going to be, let's make sure that we don't give the band things that they can't play because they will fail. Let's make sure that we give them things that they can play. They're very skilled musicians, but they're not professionals. They probably have a smaller repertoire because they're not spending eight hours a day playing and practicing, right? They have to do their schoolwork. They're in high school still. Another thing that they probably do is they, the arrangements probably require kind of a range of skill levels for each instrument so that the very best of the high school stu jazz musicians can be playing more complex stuff while maybe the, the, the still good but less good musicians still have something that they can play. You know, in Duke Ellington's big band, for example, he could really count on a uniform extremely high level of skill from every member, even if he had specific virtuosos in the band as well. But Contos doesn't really have that luxury. Even with the pick of high school musicians, they're all going to be very skilled, but some are going to be much more skilled. And so he is going to have to balance that out in his arrangements. You know, I think the reality is that our teams are more like high school bands than they are like the Miles Davis sextet. Obviously, our teams are professionals like the professional jazz musicians, but they're not the very best five programmers in the business or eight programmers in the business. If you're in a big company, it's unlikely that they're the five best programmers in the company that you have on your team, because that means all the other teams have worse programmers. But I think a good question at that point is, are they even playing up to their talent level? Are you being a Paul Contos with respect to your team? Not that necessarily that's 
really fully your job as a product manager, but you have a lot of influence on that. That's what Paul Contos does. He gets his high schoolers to play up to their talent and then go past it by learning and continually getting better and improving. And, you know, I just wonder, can you say that about how your team is performing? So an interesting question. So let's talk about three things you can do today to put these ideas into practice. First of all, it's really true that comparisons are invidious anyway. Your team isn't better than other teams. Your team isn't worse than other teams. Your team isn't the same as other teams. This is a, a version of a Buddhist saying that my wife likes to tell me about people, and it's just as true about teams. You, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to compare teams uh, better and worse and things like that. It's just it's invidious, and it, and it can cause really negative effects on everybody in the company, not just the teams that are considered bad or good. Number two, the most important predictor of team effectiveness is psychological safety. How do you build that is a good question and something you should think about. And one thing in particular, don't think about what my, what would Miles do. Think about what would Paul Contos do. What's the type of thing that somebody whose job is to help high school students become excellent jazz musicians, what are the types of things that that person is going to do to help his band become the best it can be. And finally, number three, you can't make your team go faster, but you can help them learn faster, which in the end actually achieves a similar effect. So those are three things you can think about starting to do today. So finally, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know I like metaphors. So I've talked about restaurants and kitchens. I've talked about the amazing spires of the Jiangjiaji National Forest Park in China. have no idea if I'm pronouncing that anything correctly. Um, and those spires, I use them as metaphors for the market problems we search for during customer discovery. Building construction forms the basis for some really good metaphors about software projects and how to estimate and things like that. And now we can add jazz band to the list of metaphors. So I'm just building up this set of metaphors. Metaphors, of course, are great mental models for thinking about things in product management. Of course, you do have to be a bit careful with metaphors. Now, I think this Ken Norton example shows that. You know, in some ways, the Miles Davis sextet is a really good metaphor for team work, teams working together. And in other ways, it's not, because real, realistically, our teams are more like high school jazz bands. You know, we want we all want our teams to be the Miles Davis sextet, but part of the reason that the sextet was so special was exactly because they were the best in the world. Both our expectations for the best in the world and their chance of achieving greatness are very high, and rightly so. It is also true that these supergroups sometimes fail. Now, those failures are not remembered as much as the super successes, but the supergroups sometimes fail. Sometimes the magic doesn't happen. In the case of A Kind of Blue, it did. But just like Paul Contos, we have to make sure our special group of the non-greats and the not-yet-greats delivers the goods consistently with improvement over time. So that's really what I want to talk to you about in this podcast today. Again, this has been episode number 66 of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority, the podcast for product managers. Take a look at the show notes if you want to see some links to some of these ideas and some of these articles. You'll also find links to various other things, including I will be doing my masterclass again on how to tell your own story when you're like doing job interviews or Somebody asks you, tell me about yourself, things like that. I'll be doing that masterclass on June 18th, which is in just a few days from when I'm recording this. On thir It's Thursday morning, 
It's at 7.30 a.m. You can go to alltheresponsibility.com slash masterclass to learn more about that. And maybe you'll join me. I think it's pretty good. I've gotten some good feedback on that masterclass. Hopefully you can join me for that. If you want to reach out to me, it's easy to find me on all the socials. I'm Nils Davis on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and I'm Nils at NilsDavis.com on email. If you want to drop me a line, you can leave me a comment on the website. I urge you to subscribe to the podcast. Also, if you leave a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast, that also helps. And you can also just recommend it to your friends if you think they might enjoy or find value in this content. So that's it for this episode. Really interesting stuff to think about with all this music and improvisation and jazz and Miles Davis and the greats and then the high school guys. I, th I thought it was a really interesting thing to think about. Again, I'm Nils Davis. This has been episode 66. And until next time, bye-bye.